episode 30. Here That's we right. go. Today <laughs> we have with us um, Blake from Volt Codings is joining us. And I'm pumped to have him because he's going to add a lot. That He's got a lot going on. And, yeah. and it's going to be cool to hear from him and hear how he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. And as, as usual for this year, we're sponsored by DeWalt. And before we get into the show, I just want to let you know that we are going to the World of Concrete this year with DeWalt. We'll be there. Um, they're going to be releasing some new concrete tools that are specific for our industry. Uh, we already got to see them, and we're kind of pumped about them coming out. Yep. And um, so we're going to be at the booth a couple of days. We would actually love to see some people in person. I don't know if we've ever, I don't know. A few, few times we met up, but that's that's the thing. We really want to get to meet as many people as we can, Yeah. hang out, do whatever. And, so, and this way we know, hey, we'll be in this spot. Yeah, that's right. So... They're, um, they're releasing the products on Tuesday. We'll be there for that. And then I think on Wednesday, there's like a happy hour type thing. We're going to be there for that too. We'll post more info about those times over on our Instagram. So you can check those out on the screen here. Um, I'm Tim DCVA. If you're listening, Landon is at Modern Polish Concrete, just anywhere. And um, anyways, here's the show. Hey, I'm Tim C. Hey, I'm Landon Blank. And you're listening to Hacking Concrete. Yeah! So this is Blake from Volt Coatings. We've been friends for, I don't know, three or four years, something like that. How long have you been in business? Uh, about five and a half years now. Yeah, so he's he's been scaling up to a couple of crews. Mm-hmm. He's at two. He's moving he's moving up to four next year. And I was talking to him on the phone the other day, and he um somebody called in sick or something, and he got called into the job to go back into the field and do the work. Uh huh. How'd that go for you? It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it made me realize how I, I don't want to touch the floor ever again. Most of the time. <laughs> you, you know what's tough, man, is when you do that when you get back in the field. You're not, you're just thinking about everything else, everything else, everything else, everything else. You know, and it's just, it's so tough to get out of that mindset. His story though was like, he was there, his, his, um, his one guy that was there was, you know, hoping to make a good impression. <laughs> and it just sounded like yeah. everything that could go wrong went wrong. Yeah. So it, I'll, I'll, I'll break the story down. So it's, it's one of our crew leads, Max, who's Matt, Max is awesome, like hard worker, motivated and, and, uh, but long story short, you know, I was talking to Tim. I was kind of getting bored with some of the office stuff. And I'm like, man, it's so it's so repetitive, you know, like you, you're kind of missing the field to an extent. And we had a rain delay. And I was like, you know, I'm going to jump in and, and, and help our guys make sure that we get stuff completed on track. We had a big job the following week. So I just wanted to be ready for that. And, you know, the floor came out awesome, thankfully. But anything that could have went wrong in terms of uh, I'm not saying that anything that could have went wrong, but. What ended up happening is the roll. We have multiple roller frames in our trailer, and for some reason, we picked the roller frame that was held together by a zip tie. Like, I, I don't know why. We have <laughs> one perfectly good one that was damn near brand new, but we picked the one that was held together by a zip tie. We mix our top coat. You know, get the first. It was like we mix like four gallons, uh, maybe a gallon after that to finish the floor. Well, you know, five minutes into squeegee on that that first four gallons, and then when I, I started to roll. Maybe I got two passes in and the roller falls off the pole, you know, and when it's covered in polyaspartic, even if you have rubber gloves, it's you, you can't get a grip on anything. You're trying to get the wheel back in. It's no matter how hard you're trying, it's, it's you, you just you have to fight panic. And it's like the more you panic, the worse it just gets. <laughs> and so, you know, we're sitting there, we're trying to get this roller back on. Meanwhile, like I'm telling Max, hey, you just got to like you start squeezing. You got to finish that. And um finally i get it back on the pole get two passes in and it falls off again i'm like max <laughs> like go go get another roller go get another pole he goes into the trailer and you know maybe a couple minutes go by i'm like man where the where the hell is max what is going on <laughs> so i go max where are you he comes back in and 
He comes back in with just a, a roller frame attached to the pole, no roller on it. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, so I'm trying to get this roller back on. And, you know, I ended up getting it with kind of like some duct tape. But if you know, if you've ever watched Happy Gilmore, you know how he puts like a yeah. hockey style. He's holding the, uh, the hockey stick yeah. right where the, the base of it is. That was me trying to hold the roller frame and the, the tape that I had around the frame to keep the roller on. I was literally, I looked like the hunchback in Notre Dame. I was grabbing it where the frame meets the pole, <laughs> bent over and walking along. That's how you roll? That's how I roll. And, you know, <laughs> as soon as I finished, I'm like, oh man, like the stress died out. It was one of those things where I would say most crews, if they got into that position, like that, that floor would be lost. Like most oh, crews, even be. outside of our, it would be, and mm-hmm. it would be gone. And I finished it. I'm like, oh, it was the most stressful install I have ever been on, whether it was like, even I'd say more stressful than when I first started, like when the first floors you, you decide I'm going to do these by myself as a side hustle. And I just remember I called Tim right afterwards <laughs> and I, uh, you know, leading up to that call, I was telling him like, man, I'm so bored of the office stuff. It's just this where the business is doing amazing, but it's just in the cycle of doing the same thing, the, the boring stuff. Change your team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I called him. I was like, I was heated. I was like, I'm never touching another effing floor again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love the office stuff. This is amazing. And, and so uh, it was a good, it, it was a, uh, it was a good experience in, in hindsight, I guess. People are going to think, why'd you have a, a, why'd you keep it with a zip tie? But like you have to, because we have those scenarios where all this stuff goes wrong and you're like, <laughs> do I want to throw this away? I, I might need this one. Day. I mean, a zip tie. That's one of our better ones. I know it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's we have motors zip tied together. <laughs> yeah. there, there's a lot of things, you know, like yeah, uh, doing garage floors are like when you're in a pay, if you're at a job site an hour and a half away and you forget something, like the street smarts kick in and you become you become pretty resourceful with yeah. hey, what, what yes. do I got? You know, whether it's yes. like I got to scrape joints or um uh yeah, it's yeah. uh you, you gotta do what you gotta do, right? And so this was one of those moments. I mean, at the end of it, I had to take my rubber gloves off. And you know, imagine grabbing a, a saturated roller covered in polyaspartic with your bare hands, and oh, you would lose your mind. No, I wouldn't do it. You would, you would just fall over. <laughs> I walked, I walked out, and immediately I was like, I got to get this shit off my hands. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't stand it. And it was, I tried to wipe it with Simple Green acetone, soap, wet wipes. I had paper towels, and you know, it was it, it set up to the point of my hands where I had paper towel fuzz on my hands for maybe. I'd say like a good two and a half weeks. That's fine. So I'd be going like I'd go to a bed and like show a customer swatches on my iPad, and it looked like I got tarred and feathered. On my hands. It was, it was bad. <laughs> like the the robbers in Home Depot. <laughs> Why do you look like a chicken? I said Home Depot. I meant Home Alone. I said Home, Home Depot. Alone. <laughs> 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 yeah. And I, I I have some guys that they'll you know they won't wear rubber gloves, and I'm just like how you know how do you not? Yeah. I, oh, I hate oh, my well. hands getting sticky. But in terms in terms of scaling, so so you you know when you find those things that are zip tied together, and mm-hmm. so true, you get through a job, you just got to get it done right. So, but the problem is, is when you're not on when, when scaling's happened, you're not on every job, not every crew. That zip tie stays on there for a long time because you're not over yeah. there. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? That's the stuff that that the little things like that that could uh, could make you lose the whole floor are just not top of mind at times. I say Blake and Landon, y'all are, y'all are exactly like on this one situation too, like. Y'all are both like very orderly. Like you have your trailer with all the boxes and you have, you anticipate your guys putting stuff in these certain boxes. And and Blake just spent like two days building out two trailers (laughs) with shelves. And has, you know, how's that going for you? You know, I I, I get it to an extent. Like it's, I'm trying to keep the guys more on top of it, you know, but it's like, I also understand when it's like you're out doing two or three floors in a day, you're finishing three. Yeah. 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 
get out and get to the next one, you know, where versus like, man, if you can just slow down in that moment, just take two extra minutes right. to put the garbage in the garbage pail, you know, to where, you know, I, I get a little bit more. I remember I showed up to one job and, and this is when I was actually on the crew. And, and so, you know, I, I'm guilty of it as well. It's like you open the trailer at the second job site, customers watching you and, even you can be all nicely branded, you've got your uniform on, the truck's all branded, but you open the trailer door and the customer's just like, good God, who did I hire? You know, what, is, what is going on? Right. You know? So <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, hey, can we keep it nice and tidy? And, and then the thing, like the, the biggest thing we battled this year is scaling the two crews, which it sounds so stupid, was it was more like sundries. Like, hey, if we're not putting things in the right areas in the trailer, it's like, do we have enough brushes when we go to a job site? Do we have enough rollers? Do we have red tape or frog tape? And, you know, it's, those were, those were the inefficiencies. Like out of all the problems I thought through of here's are going to be our hurdles when we go to multiple crews. I didn't think my biggest enemy was going to be, you know, missing mixers and rollers mm-hmm. and chip brushes. On <laughs> yes. Them. Yes. Little, yes. You know, 75 so, to $10 items that, that are causing, you know, right. these, these, that's so true. It's the $10 stuff. And it's like today, uh, one one crew called and they say, "Hey, we need this. We need that." Well, well, why didn't you have this? Well, because the other guys that are about an hour away, and it's like a twenty dollar item. Well, mm-hmm. they had they had four of them because they wanted to make sure they had them. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? So it is one of those. That is a balancing act. Yeah, we've been on jobs so many times where um, they're polishing a the job and it's time to dye the floor and and like there's like three sprayers sitting there and none of them work. Yeah. Not at work. Just happens. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we keep the zip tie one. <laughs> the backup. You know, and it, and it, it's, it's easy to get into, you know, as much as you want to have these checks and balances system, it's like when you get into the busy season, you're clicking off. It's like, you know, do you plan a, a half a day for trailer maintenance and cleanup and reorganization? Or it's like, do you go do another, you know, five to 15 grand worth of floors? It's like, well, you know, let's, let's, and we go, don't, let's go do more floors. You know, you probably don't have a half a day. And and to go back to what you said, Blake, no. it's so huge that I'm just so thankful for the team knocking out things that, yeah, they're tired. They just want to go home after a long day. I get it. You know, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things. So what what else have you you found? Like, how's it been going when you went from one to two crews? Were there any big, big pain points in that process? You know, surprisingly, um, Every, every job got done really good, you know? So it's, I, I think for me, the, the pain points are just more, more the issues were kind of things on mine, you know, like I was out, mm-hmm. I'm kind of I was, you know, bridging this gap of being the only sales guy getting out of the field. So it's like my job, as much as I kind of wanted to um, be more present with the team, it's like, if you're kind of tre- treating things like triage, it's like, Hey, I need to make sure that I got jobs on the schedule to keep these guys busy, um, keep them moving. I got to make sure that we have all the product for these jobs and everything else after that just kind of comes secondary. So, um, you know, that, that was the biggest thing. Um, in hindsight, too, one of the biggest issues this year was um, when, we, when we scaled up to two crews, you know, I started, I started booking the second crew. Like, I just made a decision. Like, hey, I told myself I wanted to have two crews by the beginning of August. So, you know, middle of June, early June, I started booking our schedule as if we had two crews. So now it's like, hey, I have... Instead of five jobs on a week schedule, I have 10 jobs. And, and, you know, kind of what I did backwards is I wanted to make sure that I had the work before I got all the equipment in the trailer, right? And so um, that, I don't want to say it it cost us, like it didn't cost us any floors. It didn't, we probably lost a little money on inefficiency, but it's like I I wanted to make sure I had the work before I invested in all the equipment where it's like as we go from two crews to four crews next year, 
those trailers are going to be built out and stocked with all the tooling and everything they need a month before they even go on the road, you know? So that's, those are the, those are the really the challenges that we started with. But other than that, like our guys, um, they adapted really well, which I was really happy with customers really loved them. And so it was just, it was more internal kinks that we had to work out. Thankfully it wasn't floors getting botched up or, you know, a million different callbacks from having new crew members. Like we, the, the work got done and that's, um, that's what I was thankful for. So it's like when it came to, if I got to pick my battles, would you rather have to go back and redo floors or just lose an hour in labor from a guy having to run to Home Depot to grab a couple brushes? You know, I'd much rather have that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that end of the spectrum. Yeah. I find where I fail in the whole having like multiple crews and not being on the job site and stuff is that I just do like stupid stuff. Cause I'm after being an own operator for so long, I go out and I'll do the estimate myself. I'll remember what needs to be done on that job. And I don't really write anything down. <laughs> I mean, I'm making a note on my phone, what color they chose. And that's pretty much it. And then I've been making myself fill out our schedule. And when I fill out our schedule, I put that data in there, but I just forget sometimes to do that. And the guys are like, call me at 6am. Like our schedule doesn't say where to go. It didn't say what to do. And then on top yeah. of that, I like, they're like, what flake color is it? Oh, we don't have that color. And like, I forget, I forget the simplest of things because now that I, <laughs> now that I don't have to be there tomorrow on that job site, I stop thinking about what do I need to be there that day? I, I, in my mind, I've, oh, that's I've so handed true. it off. That's so true because it's like so much is in your head. And, and so many times I make the mistake of that. All, all of a sudden I just think it's projected onto other people's minds. Yeah. And it's not at all. No. And, and so I just this morning, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? What do you mean? What are we doing? Well, they don't know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not, not, not what job they're going to, yeah. but what about this? What about that? And I'm like, you should Troy, know this. Troy asked me all the time. He's like, well, well, how many garage doors are there? I need to know how much, because we take boards to cover the bottom up. How many garage doors are there? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's like, well, didn't you go? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I went, but I didn't think that I had to deal with that. So I didn't process what that was. So now you do so many bits too, to where you know, I used to remember every bid, every person, every house, like even someone called me two years from two years ago. It's like, I remember their name to where it's, you know, now as, as you start to grow and you, I mean, there was, there was weeks where I would do 25, 30 bids. And so it's, um, you know, you have to take those extensive notes. One, to just to remember the customer and all those things where you don't lose that. But then it's just, there's a lot, there's a lot more going on where you've been, you know, right now than where you were two years ago. And as you start to grow, like it's, you have to be more um, disciplined in, in the note-taking, especially as you're relaying that to your guys when they're going to a job site, you're not, right? I want one question I'd ask you guys on your journey, like, has it been, do you, because I, I, Tim, you kind of experimented with, you know, like you have multiple crews going, land, and I, I want to say you do too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think going from one crew to two crew has been, in my opinion, a little bit easier than going from owner operator in the field on every job to like stepping back on the job and not, not being present during that install. Like, I think that's, that's the most, that was the most difficult hurdle for me by far as of right now. Yeah. That was hard for me to, to like just, Today, my guys did a garage and I'm like, do y'all want me to come with you tomorrow? I'll come help you top coat tomorrow. Like, I don't, I just have a hard time letting go of it. Um, one, because I enjoy it. I still enjoy doing the work. Like, I actually think that I told Lane the other day, I actually think that being in the field is the best part of the job. Um, as long as it's not a chaotic and awful job. Like, if it's just our regular stuff, I love hanging out with the guys on the job site. And, and, um, so I really love that part, but it's hard to, for me to let go of that. Um, you know, for me, I, I only, I only run one crew and, you know, I decided to dial everything back. I'm just running that one crew and then I have my online courses and the YouTube stuff. And then we have something else going on too. So that's just all that I'm going to do right now. But Landon has like three going and I help him kind of juggle his a little bit. And it's, 
it's easier for me to to kind of help him a little bit. Like I don't have any um, any anxieties about not going and ever showing up. For some reason, I have a hard time letting that go. It, it's hit me lately. Like you know, we we bid on these projects, bid on them, and then I, there's a lot of times I don't even I don't even go. I don't mm-hmm. see the building. I don't even see the floor, and it's done and built. Yeah. You know, it's just a weird. Landon's like a step yeah. even beyond. Like you're you're going on estimates, and you're you're um, doing thirty or forty, and you're forgetting because you you've seen so many. Landon's bidding online for at least commercial work. He never sees the contractor. He never sees the job. Yeah, he never even go to the town. You have no. I mean, it's it's wow. weird. I, one thing I, I learned this year is how, like I told Tim before, I went in the field on that last install, um, which I agree with Tim. Installs are great. Like it it is fun being in the field as long as you have a secure roller frame and. <laughs> and uh, you know, all the stuff you need appropriately. But you know, some of my conversation—I mean, me and Tim talk every day, as you know—and some of my conversation with him was, "Man, the, the business was doing the best it ever had had been doing, but it's like I was bored, you know." But it was like you're, you're just—it's it, repetitive, right? And I kind of come to realize it's like no, like when you're when you're winning or when you're achieving what you want to achieve, it's like the the bulk of the work is in that boring kind of mundane stuff in a way like that. It's, it's repetitive. But it's like having the discipline mm-hmm. to, to to stay on that. Like, um, can you can you attest to that a little bit? Like, does that does that sound familiar on your end? Or because um, that, that was one thing that I I struggle with, where it's like you you go from stepping out of the field to where now it's like okay, I have my metrics, I need the monitor. Here's my numbers. Here's what I here's my tasks for the day. And as long as I complete those, you kind of break that entrepreneurship mold of yeah. just trying to be a busybody. That's something I struggled with, where it's like you didn't have to do that. Which um, that was that was a hard hard balance for me to find there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely don't, the guys don't need me. They definitely don't need me, but I just, um, and I don't really think it's the work so much that is the reason I want to go out there. I really just enjoy like hanging out with them. Just the, um, you know, when you're, when you're doing the estimates and you're in the office, you're alone all the time. Actually, just enjoy getting out sometimes. Yeah, getting that's out. that's mm-hmm. pretty much the only reason I like to go out, but it's also like we have so many responsibilities. Like, if, if I go out on a job site to spend 30 minutes, it's basically going to be 30 minutes of coding the floor. That's how much time I actually work and contribute. It's hard. Like it's hard to give up a six hour, six hours of your day for me to drive an hour out there and wait on them to, to need me to help and then drive back. Um, it's a really, a, a, it's really stupid to do that. Like it's really bad for us for me to go do that. I need to stop doing it, but I just, I don't know. I just kind of like to stay in touch with the guys though. I, I think you said something too. There is, it does take discipline to transition mm-hmm. to really stay on top of it. And Tim and I, we can see what we're doing from all of our different programs. Yeah. So he helps me with that a lot. He's like, Hey, it helps get, you know what, this is getting behind, you know, we need to do this. But that, that is, that definitely takes a different set of disciplines out of the field into. Yeah. Okay. Now I got to do stay on top of this. My, the game just changed for mm-hmm. me. He, he just mentioned help scout. That's an email program we used where we actually share one email address but it gets divvied out when it comes in. The program divvies it to whichever one of us has that customer. Blake, have you thought about how you're going to deal with mm. that type of thing now that you're, you know, you're the only salesman, but you're going to have a new salesman coming up soon here. Like, how are you yep. going to, have you thought about how you're going to watch over him? Uh, yeah. I mean, so like we, we have ways of, you know, just the software that we use right now, the, the CRM that we're on, uh, just being able to track, Hey, what's, you know, how many bids are you doing each week? What's your, you know, there's, there's metrics that you're monitoring. What's the success ratio, average ticket, thing, things like that. So, um, and then even like being able to monitor tasks, like, Hey, you, you did these 12 bids, 15 bids last week, whatever the number might be, you know, have you followed up with those? You know, you're putting that information in the CRM, like, Hey, this customer's out of town. They want to connect on this on Tuesday. So if, if I see that overdue task, 
on Tuesday, um, you know, just being able to make sure that he's, you can kind of monitor his actions, make sure that he's holding himself accountable. But a lot of what, um, you know, I think this is where a lot of, sorry, I got little kids running around. Hey, buddy. Interrupted. This is the home, home office life right here. You say, <laughs> hi. Oh, what are you thinking? You say, hi. I just said, so have, have you thought about how you're going to handle watching the communications of your sales guy? Uh, yeah, so we have we have software, you know, just the CRM and the dispatching software that we utilize. So like specific to the sales role, there's certain metrics we're going to monitor, you know, in terms of um, you know, how many leads are coming in in general. And then also like the appointments booked on those leads, how many he's running, what is uh, success ratio. So, you know, the percentage that he's actually closing and um, average ticket, so on and so forth. And then as well as just being able to monitor his tasks. So like you have to have a lot of that stuff in place to, to not only monitor them as let's say a, a manager or as a boss, but to also give them the tools where they can, they can self-regulate and, and really hold themselves accountable and know, know what they're chasing, know what their quotas are, know what actions they have to do to arrive at the outcomes that we've, that we've set. So um, I say if it's, it's more, you know, it's it's good insight for the business to have and like the business needs to have it. But it's more so, you know, we, we try to encourage our guys to, to self-regulate. And the only way that you can do that is by providing them, you know, metrics that we're going to judge their performance on. Right. So, for example, our our crew leads in the field, uh, we have uh, them. We'll have a production manager, Scotty, you know, my my right hand man. He's going up to a production manager next year. You have things like contribution margin to where it's like, hey, what's our labor percentage on each job? What's our materials percentage on each job? Here's what our you know, contribution margin or gross profit is. And here's, here's the target, right? So they all have these kind of metrics to, to monitor to, to make sure that the business is staying on track and that we're hitting our goals. And, and they're also incentivized to where if they do that and they do it well and there's surplus there, then as a business, we're going to share in that surplus with them because they now they're being rewarded for the efficiency that they've gained and how they've operated versus if they're hourly and they are efficient and they do work fast, um, they're almost penalized. So it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to answer your questions, like you have to, you do have to have that framework in place, not just for a salesperson, but for each one of those sure. roles, because it's without, yeah. without that data to monitor, you really don't know if you're making progress. And if you go to, I was reading a book actually last night and it mentioned how, you know, if you're not monitoring this data, You'll eventually see it on the PL, but by the time you see it on the PL, if it's if it's a negative, it's it's already too late, right? You can you can't you're, you're correcting course after a month has gone by, where if you can monitor this stuff in real time or on a week to week basis, you can make corrections before it yeah. becomes possibly detrimental to the business. He said something I thought was interesting too that, that I've been it's been on my mind, and I think you and I might have talked about it a little bit. Um, our guys, you know, hourly guys are kind of penalized for for performing you know, for being quick. Mm. Are you, um, you are working on some sort of incentive program that you're going to do for your guys whenever they, whenever they hit certain targets. It's it's more tied to more tied to margin. And then there's a couple things tied to like customer feedback and reviews. And, and so, um, you know, I've seen people do performance pay to where it's like, Hey, you got like, we want this job to take eight hours. If you do it in six hours, you're going to get paid the, you know, the, the amount we budgeted, you're going to have that excess, right? And you, you have to be careful with that too, because it's like, hey, if, if I allocate eight hours for this job to be completed and you guys are getting close to that threshold where you might get over, I, I don't want them to shortcut it to get done in, you know, in seven hours and they're not hand grinding the perimeter. Or they're, yeah, because they're, I mean, uh, you could get, you could mess up the prep and that, that, because, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's not like it's not like lawn care to where you know if it was lawn care, for example, if we're going to give you two hours to mow this yard. If you do it in an hour and a half, um, you get the you, you you get that half hour it'll that grow, you saved. And it'll grow back. <laughs> it'll grow back, right? Where it's like, hey, if, if you skip a corner on the floor, you know, just because you're trying to hurry, so it's um, you, you have to be careful how you choose your yeah. performance system. And there's a lot of different ways of doing it. We're trying to kind of sort through that ourselves. That's a good but point. But it's hey, if I've allocated eight hours to a job, but to really do it right and properly it's going to take them nine hours or nine and a half hours. Go ahead and do that. I'd rather eat that extra labor cost and then trying to save an hour and a mm-hmm. half. And then all of a sudden a yeah. month from now, you're getting this call back of something's going on with the floor. He's a, he's really metric and database. You and I are just, um, we've been doing our stuff so long that we kind of have a feel for, um, you know, I feel like I shouldn't say this. It sounds really like, how could this be? But I feel like when we're on the job, you and I know that we're being pretty profitable or we're doing average or we're doing bad. Yeah, you just know, and we and you could tell. So every day when they when they check in for to me, yeah, if if I know where their progress is, I, I just know, yeah, you know, right away. But court, but our 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 work is a little bit different. Yeah, our works are weeks at a time, right? A week at a time. Because you guys kind of flip them pretty yeah, quick. Coatings are a two day project every time, so it's mm-hmm. a little bit easier to like plan and track. But um, I do think that is part of just being in business, though. We kind of we kind of have our eye on that, but. It would be nice if we could come up with some way to um, to take that info that we know yes. and translate that into some sort of performance pay for our guys without having data to support it necessarily. Well, just just think it through this real quick. I think it's Blake. You mentioned so the so 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 the crews in the field know where they are. I think that would pretty be. I think that's pretty awesome for them to know that. Like, yeah, we are being efficient. We're 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 getting this. Honestly, they start having that information. Then they can come to us three and say, "Hey, I'm hitting my goals. Mm-hmm. Um, could we look at a, a at a pay raise?" And I'll yeah. be like, "You know what? You are. Yeah. You know, it's important information. It is because right now I'm on a system of where like if we're just doing good, I just pay a little bit extra money, and the guys are used to me doing that. But the, it kind of stinks though because they don't know when it's coming. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice if they had a, something to work towards instead of it just being based out of just." Um, generosity. Yeah. So Blake, you're, you know, we've been in this thing over 20 years. You've been at four and we're like, man, I know it. That's some good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I definitely think too. I mean, on my end, it's, it's that pursuit of what is that if you are doing like database stuff, it's, you know, or not even database. It's like, I kind of try to look at what the big companies are out there and study them. It's like, how are they doing it? You're trying to see around the corner. You're trying to reverse engineer, you know, you you implement things, you try things, they don't always work out, and then you just move on to the next one. But, you know, what's interesting is this year is most most employers in a space, you know, or even any other space, it's kind of not wanting to share financials with your guys. And, you know, I've had the conversations with our guys of like, hey, here's here's what the goal is this year, top line revenue. Like, here's the targets we want to hit gross profit. And now it's like them being able to see like, hey, this net profit amount, like, you know, that's that's going to support the growth of the business. That's going to support more opportunities for them and prospective employees. So like all of our guys, like, you know, as we're in the middle of summer each week, I would tell them like, Hey, we finished X amount in product. We did 30 grand. This crew did 40 grand in production. This one did $44,000 in production um, this week. Here's what our labor was on that materials were on that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to be able to share that. Like our guys know generally like, here's how much we're going to spend on marketing next year. Here's how much we're going to spend on labor. Here's how much we're going to spend on materials so on and so forth. And so like, I think they, they kind of feel 
um, they definitely feel like they're a part of the journey, they're a part of the vision, and then when you you can have that some some data points for them to self-regulate and monitor themselves, you know, now now they have a target. They're not just kind of showing up and going through the motions each and every day. They they have a way to hey, if I if I'm bonus off a of margin or efficiency or customer service, um, you know, they have measurable targets and then even measurable things that they can do to to impact that positively or negatively. They're not going to intentionally do it negatively, yeah, but. Um, you know, so now, now it's, you have this vision of where the company's going, all your team is on that same page and each of them knows like they all work together. So like if, if a salesperson, if a crew lead and a production manager, if their performance bonuses are tied to, to margin, then it's like, okay, the salesperson could sell that job at a really good margin, but then if production messes it up, well, the sales guy doesn't get his bonus and then mm-hmm. vice versa. Like mm-hmm. if the sales guy underbids it and production knocks it out of the park, but because it's underbid, like our material cost is higher, then it's now production doesn't get their bonus. So it's when there's efficiency and when there's excess and their bonus together, you know, they, they all like the business shares 33% and the salesperson sales shares 33%. And then the production team shares 33% because like it, it really takes everybody. Like the business mm-hmm. is the one that's going out, sourcing the leads, providing the infrastructure and the frameworks to to keep everybody busy, to keep this machine going. The sales guy is the one that's bringing the jobs in and the production's the one making sure jobs are getting done and they're getting done to not only our standards, but customer standards. So it's, you know, you can't, you can't have one leading more than the other. Like they all, they all connect together. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that that's what's really cool is I, I've had a couple people, you know, shadow, shadow us a little bit for a day and they're like, wow, you, you share a lot of information with your employees and there's not a negative connotation or, or view uh, as an employee facing me as a business owner, like it's, Hey, here's the goal as the business. Here's where we're going. And now we're all rolling together and we all know what yeah. the, the game plan is. It's not, Hey, you did a good job. I, I don't want to share how much we made on this job. Right. It's just, um, it, it, it's a weird way of thinking. That's been really cool. How, how that's impacted the business this year, even from a culture standpoint with the team, I think it's much harder to go from owner operator, like in the field to just, just stepping out and like having that first crew going. That is, uh, that's a milestone that most people don't get to. And I think going from one to two is, is, is difficult as well. And then after that, it's kind of, you know, to be determined, but like, as I do all my prep for next year, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, I say like the, the, the phrase, the, the phrase, like the rich get richer comes to my mind, you know, or it's like, it's, you know, once you have that momentum on your side, it's, it's easier to make bigger strides and bigger gains. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I would say too, when it comes to, when it comes to multiple, you know, multiplying your crews, obviously this doesn't get done by us. It gets done with people. And so when Tim and I talk about this a lot, well, when I bring a guy in, I'm watching him all the time. I'm watching if he comes in 10 minutes late or five minutes late every now and again, is that the kind of leadership that the other guys would follow? You know, so we love hiring from, within mm-hmm. like we never bring anybody outside because lots of times they come with preconceived notions or we just haven't had any luck that way. It's been a lot of baggage when we hire people, a lot of baggage outside of our group. So when we, when I, I, I'm constantly looking at everyone is like, can he lead? Can he lead? Can he lead? Because I want him to lead so bad, Yeah. but you got to pick it apart throughout the way. But I just texted Tim about this. What did I just say? Uh, measurable targets. Um, Measurable targets. So instead of just us again, mm-hmm. looking at every little detail, can he lead? Can he lead? We got to look at that too. 
but also the measurable targets. Do they have, I think it's important for them to have measurable targets. We yeah. need to figure that out better. Like the, this, these are your expectations, not mm-hmm. only as far as monetary, but as far as can you lead? Yeah. Can you look at yourself as yeah. a leader? Would, would people want to follow you? Yeah. Are you hitting this target? Are you doing that and doing this? You know, it's a little easier in the coding's world because, like, like my crews, all my jobs are for the most part residential. It's always like two days or three days, so it's pretty easy to see. Like, hey, we just did two or three days. Didn't nothing really went wrong, and the homeowners were happy. Mm-hmm. So we 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 met our target. Mm-hmm. It's different in your world though, because like when you're somewhere for you're you're you grinding on the pickleball court for two months that's mm-hmm. that gets a little bit harder to, to kind of explain targets to people <laughs> but it's interesting and i'll just give this example at that job i gotta be careful here but <laughs> at that job i saw something in someone that was interesting they were doing a, a they were doing a part of the pr- job that we needed to fulfill for that day but there was a break in that time mm-hmm. to where he wasn't needed to do what he was doing and instead of hopping in and and helping out he just waited. Oh, funny. And it's just, it made me think right there. It's like, okay, I see that. That That's, for me, that's huge. Yeah. Because guys want to follow guys that would do anything for you. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I don't know. It just makes you, I, I like the measurable targets. Just got to figure them out. <laughs> huh? We just got to figure them out. Gotta figure Speaking them out. on that a little bit. Yeah. Because we've, you know, we've, we've hired internally and then externally. Like, one, you know, one of our best guys, or I say, you know, talking about a couple of our guys, um, you know, it's been Scotty. He's my brother-in-law. He's been my right-hand man since day one. Phenomenal. Um, Max, I recruited him from Indeed. And like, I probably went through 30 people, 30 different interviews to get to him. But Max is phenomenal. Ben is somebody that we've recruited internally. And, you know, along the way throughout this journey, like we have, I, I, I do think there's a, what I'm trying to kind of understand is when you're trying to have like a culture of performance or excellence, or even like, even just like positive attitude, right. It's how how much are you willing to, um, how much are you willing to kind of put up with, or I guess what's the fine line. It's like, you get a stable of like three rock stars and you have this other guy that, you know, he's a little bit more than a warm body, but he's Mm -hmm. also, you know, got some traits where you're just like, are those just, uh, a characteristic that everybody's going to have their own, everybody's going to be their own person. They're going to have their own kinks, right? Like I, you know, me, I talk in circles. I, I ramble on like, that's, what's one of mine. And, and, um, you know, but it's like, I think it's, that's what I'm trying to figure out is how much of that do you allow, but also talking about kind of, uh, that thing that you just kind of mentioned Landon is, you know, some of those instances is when you have measurable targets, like there was one aspect this year where, um, you know, one of our guys just wasn't performing the way the rest of the team was and the jobs were still getting done. Right. So it's like, that's, that's metric number one. Like, Hey, as long as the jobs are getting done, right. Customers are happy. Then it's, you know, is how, how urgent of an issue is it to solve this, this personal problem. Right. But the one thing that we did wrong is we knew areas that this, this person could improve. And I, I thought we communicated that and just nothing, nothing ever happened. Right. To where like, as we look ahead at next year and in some of those instances, it's, Hey, we're going to come alongside you. Like one thing that we did wrong this year, not wrong, but it was just the nature of how we, how we grew this year was we, you know, we trained a couple guys in, you know, got them really efficient. They were with us. We probably had a four man crew for about a month and a half. And then we were able to split them off and it was kind of like, Hey, you know, see you later. And luckily the work got done right where now it's like coaching. It can't go from, you know, training someone in for two weeks and then just sending them out to the wolves and hoping they figure it out. Like it's got to be a continuous process. So, mm-hmm. so with this one specific employee, like one thing that how we would approach it now 
is saying, hey, you know, our crew lead is bringing this up to us. We're going to come out and like coach you in these areas that we think you need some work on. Here's what we expect from you. Like, here's where we need you to see improvements. Here's that time frame, And then letting them know up front, if we don't see that within the next two weeks, after we've given you resources, we've given you tools, we've given you coaching, training, and support to fix these things that we're seeing, then it's maybe maybe you're not a good person for Volt. You're not the right fit for Volt or just this position. And and that's okay, you know? But it's like, I think uh, being clear and concise of what we're expecting of our, our people and, and trying to lead with that that culture of excellence and performance. And, you know, you also see some of the, if you do have a person on the team that does have some negative characteristics, how that can um, affect culture really bad, affect the mood of the entire team. Even if that one individual isn't working with the other crew, it just bogs that momentum down. It bogs that excitement down to where I'm sure you guys experience this. It's like when jobs are going good, the team's vibing, everything's really good. Um, you're hitting your goals as a business. These guys are hitting goals in, individually. Like that's that's a fun place to be. Like to be with inside those four walls of a business. That's that's where you get excited about the growth. And those are the yes. days where you're just yes. sitting yeah. there, like, hey, this is this is worth some of the bad days. This has been worth the hurdles. Like you're finally seeing. Here's the vision that I wanted to go towards, and you're getting some some validity on, hey, it's happening. We're we're making yeah. progress there. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's two. You know, we can keep going with what, what, whatever, but there's two things that just happened recently. It was like yesterday, Corey was pouring that pad. Yeah. And we had a guy that, uh, that no hard feelings or anything. It just, he, he went a different way recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, Corey said, culture is everything. He did. When he said that. Yeah. And it struck me because I met with another, I told Tim, I met with a guy who's, he has 500 employees, is in two states. And uh, he was gracious enough to talk to me for a little while. And one of the main points he kicked on was culture. Yeah. And about how long it took him to to move that many men into the type of culture and women that that he wanted his company to be like. Yeah. And so I think we need to hit on that heavy now. Yeah. You know, early. Hit on it early, what your culture is, and stick to that. That's funny that you said that. It's funny he said that because it never dawned on me that that was the reason that that other guy didn't work out for us. Um, it just wasn't working and, and I didn't, I never put that together. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was yeah. a culture thing. That's what it was though. Yep. Now that you said that, that's funny. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I always kind of wonder what com- company culture meant. It just seems like such a hip word to be for people to say, but I guess that's a good example. And the beauty of it is owner is like, is like you re- you get to shape that. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it is. And I mean, it gets, it gets tough too. You know, when you, when you are recruiting people and it's like, Hey, I need guys now. Yes. I think it's important to kind of, you know, that that's one experience that I've been through is, Hey, yeah, you, you, we've had some warm bodies in the past where it's like, again, it's as long as the work's getting done, that's great. But it's like, when you can have that culture piece, it's, it's, it's game changing. And mm-hmm. so like that, that's why I've been the coolest part of my team is like going from owner operator where they was just me and Scotty doing installs to where now, like this summer we were up to five, six guys. And then next year we'll probably be plus plus 15 you, we started having these Monday morning meetings of recapping wins, kind of solving problems for from the week previous or the week ahead, and and you start to see that culture. I got to take my guys to Top Golf, and like that was that 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 culture piece and that that experience that was more that was more meaningful to me mm-hmm. than like the, the revenue numbers we did, the profit numbers we did, because it's like man, it's 
you know, part of even with Volt and like the branding that we have for it, it's, it's all about kind of doing stuff differently, showing up differently, having that culture piece where we want people to want to work at Volt. And I think it's kind of, uh, there's a, there's an old phrase where it's like, you know, um, good work comes from effort. Great work comes from passion. Well, it's like passion's only going to come from your guys if they're truly happy doing what they're doing yeah. for the people that they're doing it for. Well, I, I just think I, I'm encouraged myself. Like, this is, this has been great yeah. because it's just so valuable to bounce ideas and, and bounce how different aspects of business off people and you can really glean yeah. and learn. I agree. And for me, I like, I like, there's so many, like right now it's just the garage floor craze and there's so many of those garage floor companies out there that are like franchises and chains. Then they're like, we have 50 crews and, mm-hmm. and I get people contacting me through my course on, online all the time. And they're like, I want to take your course, but I want to buy a franchise because they have, they see that vision of a bunch of crews. And I like, now I like I want to show them this and be like, no, look, you don't need that. You can do this completely on your own. Blake is mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have any help. He's totally doing it on his own. I mean, other than just friends on like us on Instagram, we and when we bounce stuff off each other, just you know, some, a small community with a small community online that you can meet. You can do all that on your own. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't need the big big chains. I think one, one you know one thing I've learned this year, just just piggybacking on Tim is is how how valuable. Um, I'd say, I mean, even like your course, how, how valuable they are and the insight you share there. And, but, but even understanding there's, there's so many different routes that you can go as a coding business owner. It's like, you, you can go the franchising route and it's like, you can go, I mean, there's even times for me to where it's like, Hey, you know, staying at two crews, like there's, there's value in that, right? Like it's, you, as you, mm-hmm. as you start to go beyond that, it's kind of, Hey, how is this extra work going to impact maybe your quality of life or the extra stress, you know? And so it's like, yes, bigger is not bigger. And in this case, bigger is not always better. Um, but it's, there, there's a lot of different ways that you can go. And there's no one specific path anybody has to follow. And I think that's where I second your advice, Tim is, you know, you can get into it, get started and then just, you know, you'll, you'll figure out like, Hey, when you go through going from one crew to two crews, it's, there's a lot of burden to take on there. And you ask yourself, you know, some people want to do that. Other people, they don't want to. And, and that's completely fine. Like my dad, for example, he owns a very profitable concrete flatwork business here. He's done it for 20, 30 years. And, you know, he works seven months out of year. He's got one five person crew, you know, crushes it for himself and doesn't have to have all this extra burden of, you know, two crews, three crews, whatever it is. It's, he's got a really good life. He's got his cars, he got his vacation, you know, he's got all his toys and like, that's that's an amazing that's an amazing life an amazing opportunity but yes. yeah, um, kind of yeah, landing the plane a little bit too just just speaking on that is one thing that i would say is um no matter where you're at on your journey like even as i look at some of these big companies and they're much bigger than me you know some of the biggest out there and you talk to them coming to the realization that n- not everybody even the companies that are big they're still facing challenges. They're still facing problems. Like I know specifically of a company that does $20 million in revenue a year and they're not turning a profit. Right. So it's like what you think might be amazing on the outside, on the inside. It's Mm -hmm. if you only knew it's, it's it's really not as glamorous as you might see. And that's not to deter someone from wanting to go to have a $20 million business. I'd love to have a 20 million coding business. And it's like, I I think with Volt it's it's possible, but um, I think to, 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 um, to get to my point is, there's there's always got to be a there's always going to be a problem that you're going to solve. There's never going to be really like a knight in, in shining armor. Like your coach, your 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 coaching and your um your courses give people so much information 
And, and you've given me so much information. And I think of you in my journey, it's like, you can have that information and just, you have to realize too, there, there's still going to be a lot of stuff that you have to buckle down, bear down and, and that you, you have to solve yourself. Like nobody can predict everything that you're going to go through. So man, audio just got cut off. It's just like the last, the last minute of the, the last of minute. The episode. Yeah. So it's fine. But that was, that was Blake with Volt Coatings, which man, that was a good time to talk. I, I was just... I was enthralled in that one. It was. I, I really enjoyed it. I hope that um, it's a, a little more um, technical than our usual, you know, hacking podcast. Show. <laughs> <laughs> we got on a non-hacker. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, you can find him. He's uh, at Volt Coatings on Instagram. Uh, Landon's Madam Polish Concrete. I'm Tim DCVA on in, on all the places. And um, if you want to learn more about our online courses, you can visit that at decorativeconcreteschool.com. And again, big thanks to DeWalt for sponsoring the show. See you next time.